Hello, my name is Rashmi Varma, and I am the co-founder, president, and CTO of a company called Innovate 5G. The CBR spectrum has ushered in an entire industry of private networks. I'm Catherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Hi, Rashmi. So happy to have you here. Glad to be here, and thank you for the opportunity. As you may know, and as my listeners may know at this point, uh, the first question I have to ask you, Rashmi, is what is an example of a time in which being a woman has empowered you? You know, quite frankly, I don't wake up in the morning and realize I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in a women's body. <laughs> I know this probably doesn't sound like the, the kind of feminist movement going on. However, that's, it's kind of true. Uh, when we wake up in the morning, we just wake up to do our best, uh, make our way through this world raise our families, nurture our kids. And I think maybe that's one of the biggest things as a woman to be that nurturer. Um, And that's what I do, not just with my kids, with my employees, with my customers, whoever comes my way, I feel like I have to be my most best nurturing self. But um, I wouldn't just limit that to my role as a woman though, because I have seen men who do this perfectly well as, uh, as well. Um, for instance, my husband. And then on the other hand, my co-founder and business partner, Chris Stark. I feel like I haven't seen a, a person so nurturing before. I see him in that role every day in the office with our employees, uh, with the people he's interacting with. And so, so you know, All in all, in short, I I feel like nurturing is a big gift, but it's not just because I'm a woman, but I feel like um, that aspect of us shows up in our work in every way. And uh, I would say being, you know, being a woman, of course, you know, gives me a little bit more on that side of things uh, than it would normally do. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I I like that you talked a lot about the men in your life or that you know who who share some of those traits that are are coded as female obviously anyone could be nurturing anyone could be not nurturing but we tend to assume women are nurturing and there's a way in which we discredit those types of traits in the workforce so you know if you wanted to reframe this question as what's an example of time in which being a woman has empowered you and you don't want to make it about gender you know you can kind of turn around as What's an example of a time in which being nurturing has has felt empowering or has has actually improved work? Yes, yes. No, so I always see come across these situations, you know, especially with my team, uh, when they when they feel that you know they aren't able to achieve something or they they don't understand how to do certain things. When my I, I instantly, you know, I step into a role which I would feel I would take on with my kids if they kind of came to me with a problem that they didn't know how to deal with would be my way of, uh, you know, kind of guiding them through looking at solutions, looking at different angles of what is causing the issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually think there's something even empowering just by 
taking the word nurturing and applying it to a boss or a manager because I think that's something that was so look has been so looked down on. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. You know, uh, it's considered a very feminine mm-hmm. quality, and typically people think of the that hey, if you're the nurturing kind, you're not being strong on your teams. I mean, don't trust me. I think I'm I'm really hard. I I'm, I really come down hard on some of my team members. I, I feel like each one of us has some portions of being feminine at times and masculine at others. And it, it's just, it's just the best that has to be pulled in from us, depending on the situation we are in. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly true. Um, we definitely all have, I mean, quote unquote, feminine, quote unquote, ma- masculine qualities. And I think at the end of the day, really what we're all trying to do is understand all of those qualities are deserving of respect and, you know, and, yeah. uh, and can be functional and valuable at, in home life, but also more directly tied to this podcast in, in the workforce. All right, so with conversations around things like Open RAN picking up, the idea of opening up the 5G ecosystem is becoming a bigger priority for the telecom industry. And I know it's also a priority for you and the company that you founded called Innovate 5G. Can you tell me more about your vision of an open 5G ecosystem and, and why that vision is so important? For me, it's all about a democratic participation from everyone. You know, I do not like exclusion. And to that effect, I feel like, you know, everyone has a part to give to make this a better world. And I feel, you know, technology is obviously one of the most appending things that has happened to us, you know, in, in this day and age, um, it's a, it's a leveler, you know, no matter what background you come from, which country, what education technology, I feel is so agnostic to everything that it levels the playing field. And as far as it comes to 5G, it's all about what we see in the future and what are the technologies that are going to deliver the world of the future. I mean, so in a way, we have to be futuristic when we work in the field of technology. Uh, my background is um, mainly in telecom. That's where I come from. And I'm an embedded software developer. I feel that software has consumed the world. Now, there are a lot of resources that go into the physical aspects of building things. But I feel software today, the way it stands, it helps us accelerate innovation. It helps us bring in the tomorrow today. Um, And that's why, you know, my emphasis in creating a democratic space where everyone can participate with the skills they have in technology. That's what we are trying to open up. Traditionally, telecom has been a very close space with just a few incumbents in there. Lots of big companies, OEMs and, uh, you know, providers, uh, that that actually do dominate the space and for good reasons, because it's a very uh, technology heavy, very CapEx intensive uh, space. However, I feel, you know, what has happened in the world out there in terms of uh, Apple bringing in the app store, allowing anyone to create the applications that they want to build Uh, So much so that they've come in to kind of disrupt the fintech industry where, you know, uh, the likes of Chase and Citibank and the others were were quite taken aback when they launched Apple Pay. You know, for them to say, hey, what does a phone company know about running a financial transaction? Well, 
they, they've empowered people, right? With the platform that they have delivered. And that's where Innovate 5G, you know, is trying to bring in such a platform to empower more and more people to come in to the space. So that's, that's what Innovate 5G is trying to do is open up that funnel, bring in as many people, build a platform that makes it a low barrier to entry because anytime you feel there's a high barrier to entry, I mean, you won't find a lot of people participating. When pe and when not a lot of people are participating, you know, there is not much innovation going on in that space. And I know it's a tall order for us and we're trying to uh, almost kind of deliver to something that it feels like a pipe dream, but I know that we are going to get it done. Yeah, that is a tall order. Like you said, everything that Innovate 5G is trying to accomplish. But one specific thing that the company is doing to empower people to come into this space, as you mentioned, is the development of a lab sharing model that I've heard is similar to Airbnb's model, but I'm not familiar with that model. So, so what does this really mean? Can you describe this model to me in a bit more detail? Yes, yes. And you know, something that uh, you alluded to in your previous question, 5G, there's a lot of hype around it. A lot of the folks that are talking about 5G are mostly all the telecom folks, but that shouldn't really be the case. You know, if something is that useful, it should be talked about in a broader sense by people who would actually use it. So the utilization needs to match up to all the hype about the technology itself. Um, so, you know, to make 5G more viable, now the, the big deal about 5G is, why, why is 5G a big deal is, uh, for the first time in the history of communication networks, there is a network that is now application aware. We've gotten very used to having our applications personalized to us. Um, you'll notice uh, there's a lot of personalization happening to when you go to websites, they already know you're browsing for certain things. So how you, how you spend your time, how you, what you purchase, what you consume is all part of that personalization currently. But never before have we had a network that personalizes itself underneath. Uh, so far, these applications have always used networks as, a, as just a delivery pipeline. Uh, but for the first time, this delivery pipeline is ready to personalize itself to the needs of the application. So what we have here is something that can do an end-to-end -end personalization to proliferate this kind of an information or to allow for application developers to come in and test on a network like this. Wi-Fi is not going to suffice anymore to test your applications. So for that reason, you know, many companies like the likes of Ericsson and Verizon, uh, be it OEMs or service providers, they've opened up these labs, uh, consumer 5G labs, where application developers can go in to test the applications to see how it interacts with that network. Obviously, it's not like the Wi-Fi that comes to your office or to development space anymore, um, but you would have to go to these labs to test your applications to see how your application would interact or request a resource from a network and whether that resource from the network does come back to it in the way it's requested. However, you know, coming from the time from the pandemic, coming through the pandemic, we've seen, you know, traveling is not is a luxury these days, even if it is for work. Um, a lot of these labs have, you know, been sitting empty over the past year, year and a half. 
And that's where, when we started out a couple of years ago and we saw, we, we didn't obviously know that, you know, something that this is gonna come around with, everything's gonna shut down. But we saw a need to bring these uh, labs online uh, through a cloud uh, platform where people could actually connect into these lab resources remotely from anywhere in the world. So that's where, you know, when we talk about Airbnb, it's about bringing in all these lab resources, you know, for which their utilization is really low currently and being able to push them uh, behind a cloud platform that makes it more and more accessible to not just people who live in the United States, but to all developers all over the world. Great. And you mentioned personalization. So I want to ask about another form of network personalization that Innovate 5G is involved in. So the company also builds bestoke private CBRS, LTE, and 5G networks for enterprises. So my question for you is, how are these types of customized networks changing the telecommunications landscape and opening up new revenue and business models? Oh, that's an excellent question. Actually, this is something that was just ushered in with the release of a new spectrum called CBRS, as you mentioned. Uh, CBRS is actually a shared spectrum, and it's actually free to use under certain uh, requirements. Uh, general access uh, access of that spectrum is, is actually free to use. There are some priority access licenses that are available to companies to purchase, and, and that auction happened early last year, or yeah, actually around spring of last year. Um, however, there is a general access still available. And what that has done is uh, the biggest resource uh, that goes into building a wireless network and specifically for uh, service providers is Spectrum. Spectrum is the most expensive resource that they purchase uh, to be able to transmit signals over that, over the air on using those frequencies. Now, because of just, just this single uh, resource available now, the, the CBR Spectrum, has ushered in an entire industry of private networks. Uh, so far, most uh, uh, companies that were building these wireless networks with the big service CSPs, as we call them, um, you know, uh, but now smaller companies that want to build, that want to automate, say for instance, their factory floors, um, and they cannot do it over Wi-Fi because Wi-Fi doesn't offer mobility management um, they are now able to create small networks instead of creating Wi-Fi networks, they can create Wi-Fi networks actually do are limited in uh, the space that they can radiate out into. Uh, so school networks is a prime example for when the schools went out during the pandemic. So what the school decided was the school will go to the students. And though, you know, surprising to see that um, there's a lot of people who have no access to broadband. Those underserved communities were the ones that the school was trying to make sure that they didn't have to drive into a parking lot just to connect to a Wi-Fi signal. So a lot of these schools actually use the CBR spectrum to build these networks that radiate out into neighborhoods. So if they're not going to school, the school is coming to you into the, into the homes through a school specific education network. You can still apply the, the firewalls 
and the security that's needed to keep these school students safe. And then at the same time, you know, parents were free to use the broadband access they had at home and not get interrupted just because, you know, two parents are trying to work from home while the kids are trying to attend school. Uh, we pushed ourselves into top gear to try and work with a lot of school networks. We did a lot of design on these networks. Now, the main aspect that we come to on this network is from the application side of things. Because we work with applications, we measure these applications in our labs. We know the requirements for what these applications need in terms of downlink bandwidth and uplink bandwidth. So we do a top-down uh, design where we measure the application that the network is eventually going to be used for and then design a network that goes underneath it. Now, we talked a lot about the goals of Innovate 5G, but prior to this company, you actually founded a few others. You have iCode, which brought computer and technology education to the K-12 space, as well as Dream Big, which is an advanced technology training nonprofit with a focus on IoT, cybersecurity, blockchain, and AI. When looked at together, your portfolio of companies really points to this idea of making technology more accessible, which we already talked about accessibility when we talked about OpenRAN. Would you say that this uh, idea of accessibility is at the heart of much of what you do? And if so, why, why, <laughs> I guess is, is my question. Wow, you know, that's an, that's an excellent question. I am, I have to say, I'm really impressed. Uh, you connect, you're connecting dots that are, that are really hard to connect. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I, but you're absolutely right. You, you're, you've connected them correctly. Uh, but I don't get asked this question a lot. What I get asked is, why are you all over the place? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That is not but, how I saw it at all. <laughs> See, that's 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 the wonder of perspective, right? What it can do for you. And I think with your work with interacting with so many different types of people, it does rearrange the way you connect dots. You know, that's what Steve Jobs said. Like, look, you can connect dots, but it's really hard for some people to do it. So I'm, I'm really impressed with the way you did this. But you're right, you know, just as I said, you know, I have always been a firm believer that technology is a leveler. Um, coming from the background and the place where I come from, education is not as, access as accessible or we were never told that you could be your uninhibited selves. We were always told there are limits, there are, um, there are things that cannot be done and, um, being a being a woman and being a girl, you know, you treat it a little differently in terms of what opportunities are accessible to you. But I never saw it that way. <laughs> For me, I was very interested in technology from a very young age. I was actually into electrical circuits. I had this wild idea that I would build this huge antenna that would communicate with aliens, only, only to realize that an antenna that size <laughs> would be huge. I always felt that you know, back then, obviously, a lot of people said, oh, engineering is for the boys. And I, I never saw it that way. I think I chose to ignore much of it because I saw something in my head that I felt was larger than life. And it was aided by technology. Um, and I felt technology didn't stop anybody from interacting with it, much like people's opinions and views do. Uh, and as long as it doesn't stop me from interacting uh, with it, I, I was very keen to understand what is it that it can offer 
And not just that, I felt there was so much to build with it. You know, uh, I think our current education system doesn't do us that kind of a justice where they're making, uh, they're bringing these tools to the table for us. I know they're bringing a lot of other traditional tools, but not technology in the way that it's, that it can help people build. That's where my push was with iCode was to democratize that space. And that's where my son actually was the first one who asked me, <laughs> he was four years old. He was like, what is it that you do? That I'm the first one in daycare and the last one to come out of there. <laughs> so, you know, sadly, you know, I was like, I'm so sad to, to hear that, but I want to tell you what, I, what is it that I work on and what is what that drives me. So I took him to my lab. Uh, back then I used to work for this company called Fujitsu took him into my lab to show him the switches and the photonic um, you know, network elements I was working with. And he was enamored by the size of them, by the quantity of them, by the LEDs that were blinking all over the place. And he wanted to try and understand this better. And he's like, is this like you would do an app on an iPad? <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, uh, I don't know how to explain this to you. You know, I, it's, uh, it's, it's not quite the same, but it is at, it is, I mean, it's the same software that runs it, but it's, it's how you organize it and what you yeah. use it for. But I told him, you know, this is, this is really tough. I don't think I can explain this to you. And you know what this four year told me back was that if you can't explain it to me, that means you do not know it well enough. <laughs> and <laughs> that was a moment of truth. You know, there are certain times in your life when things hit you really hard and you go into this introspection mode. It is true that maybe I do not know it well enough. So that was the most, I would say that was my eye-opening moment. And at that point, I decided I was going to work with my uh, kids show them how to build these things because they were not being taught these things in school. This was back in uh, 2011. And I approached, uh, I worked with them. They would take these applications they would build to school for show and tell. Um, their friends would see it and they would get all wide-eyed and they'd be like, I want to learn this. And they're like, oh, you, you have to come and talk to my mom about it. And so I started receiving requests from parents to see if I could run weekend classes for these kids. And, and I, initially I was running it out of just my, you know, my dining table in the kitchen. Eventually um, I launched it commercially in 2014. And uh, there was no looking back after that. You know, I, I think my, uh, what I found was I was right about these kids being digital natives. They took to it so organically. And the best part about this, it, it, may, it really empowered my own journey where when kids would ask me the kind of questions that most of us may have thought of but never dared to ask, I, I used to feel like, wow, I mean, how come I'm in all my career as a software professional or a computer engineer, I've never thought about this. How did that happen? That, you know, the, the innate quality you have from your childhood to ask these questions, why the sky is blue? You know, why, why aren't we falling off the face of the earth? You know, why does that innate quality in us stop at a certain point in our lives? Because we feel it's ridiculous to ask something like that. But, but it, it, it isn't, quite frankly. Because I've had kids who've come to me when, I've, when I'm teaching them 
the uh, software language called C and um, C++. And, you know, kids have gotten up, raised their hands and said, hey, why is it called C? And I'm like, you know what? I never asked the guy who came up with C. <laughs> and I never, it never occurred to me that I should ask that question. But then, you know, the, the, the most logical answer is why isn't there an A and a B? How, how come they skip those two letters? And since then, you know, something has opened up in me and where I'm always telling my students, my employees, my team, my kids, even my family members, my mom, if, even if you don't know what to say, just ask a good question. You know, that is the genesis for a lot of things. So I did go back and find out why is it called C? What happened to A and B? And, you know, there was a language called A and then there was a language called B, but those were more um, research oriented and more, uh, you know, building blocks of the language C and it did come to C, right? Mm -hmm. And I felt like, okay, so this wasn't completely illogical to land up at a language called C. There was an A and there was a B. And I did not know this this whole time because I never cared to ask. But, you know, I took this, these answers back and I felt really proud of myself to have found this and be able to answer my students. But then guess what? The next question they ask me is, why not D? Why is it C++? I, yeah, there's... <laughs> You can only so you apply the logic so far. <laughs> Rashmi, thank you so much uh, for this conversation. It's been really great. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. And your questions were, were spot on. I, I think you're very, you very good at asking questions. <laughs> good. And as I know, uh, you value that. So I'll take that compliment yes, to heart. <laughs> Well Technically is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. <laughs>